0: Chapter seventeen Part one of Laddie This Librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Bridget Gage Laddie by Jean Stratton Porter Chapter seventeen Part one In Faith Believing Nor could the bright green world around a joy to her impart, for still she missed the eyes that made the summer of her heart. Soon as she had the piano, Shelley needed only the pageant man to make her happy as a girl could be. "'and having faith in that prayer, I decided to try it right away. "'So I got Laddie to promise surely that he'd wake me "'when he got up the next morning. "'I laid my clothes out already. "'He merely touched my foot, and I came to, "'slipped out with him, and he helped me dress. "'We went to the barn, when the morning was all grey. "'What the dickens have you got in your head now, chicken?' he asked. "'Is it business with the fairies?' "'No, this is with the most high.' "'I said solemnly, like father. "'Go away and leave me alone.' "'Well, of all the queer chickens,' he said, "'but he kissed me and went. "'I climbed the stairs to the threshing-floor, "'then the ladder to the mow, "'walked a beam to the wall. "'There followed one to the west, "'and another to the little, high-up ventilator window. "'There I stood, looking at the top of the world. "'A grey mist was rising like steam from the earth. "'There was a curious colour in the east.' STRIPES OF ORANGE AND FLAMES OF RED, WHERE THE SUN WAS COMING. I FOLDED MY HANDS ON THE SILL, FACED THE SKY, AND STOOD STARING. JUST STOOD, AND STOOD, NEVER MOVING A MUSCLE. BY AND BY, I BEGAN TO THINK HOW MUCH WE LOVED Shelley, HOW HAPPY SHE HAD BEEN AT CHRISTMAS, THE WAY SHE WAS NOW, AND HOW MUCH ALL OF US WOULD GIVE IN MONEY, OR TIME, OR LOVE, TO MAKE HER SPARKLING, BUBBLING, HAPPY AGAIN. SO I THOUGHT AND THOUGHT gazing at the sky, which every second became a grander sight. Little cold chills began going up my back, and soon I was talking to the Lord, exactly as if he stood before me on the reddest ray that topped our apple trees. I don't know all I said. That's funny, for I usually remember to the last word. But this time it was so important, I wanted it so badly, and I was so in earnest, that words poured in a stream— I began by reminding him that he knew everything, and so he'd understand if what I asked was for the best. Then I told him how it looked to us, who knew only a part, and then I went at him, and implored and beseeched, if it would be best for Shelley, and would make her happy, to send her the Paget man, and to be quick about it. When I had said the last word that came to me, and begged all I thought becoming, I don't think with his face that Jesus wants us to grovel to him, At least he looks too dignified to do it himself. I just stood there, still staring. I didn't expect to see a burning bush, or a pillar of fire, or a cloud of flame, or even to hear a small, still voice. But I watched, so I wouldn't miss it, if there should be anything different in that sunrise from any other I ever had seen. And there was not. Not one thing. It was so beautiful, and I was so in earnest my heart hurt but that was like any other sunrise on a fine July morning. There wasn't the least sign that Jesus had heard me, and would send the man. Yet before I knew it, I was amazed to find the feeling creeping over me that he was coming. If I had held the letter in my hand saying he would arrive on the noon train, I couldn't have grown surer. Why, I even looked down the first time I moved, to see if it had, but I was certain anyway. So I looked steadily toward the east once more, and said, thank you with all my heart lord jesus then i slowly made my way down and back to the house shelley was at the orchard gate waiting so i knew they had missed me and laddie had told them where i was and not to call she had the strangest look on her face as she asked where have you been i looked straight and hard at her and said it's all right shelley he is going to come soon But I didn't think it was a thing to mouth over, so I twisted away from her, and ran to the kitchen to see if breakfast had all been eaten. I left Shelley standing there with her eyes wide—also her mouth. She looked about as intelligent as mehitable Heasty. and it wouldn't have surprised me if she had begun to jump up and down and say there were snakes in her shoes. No doubt you have heard of people having been knocked silly. I knew she was, and so she had a perfect right to look that way, until she could remember what she was doing— and come back to herself. Maybe it took her longer, because Mother wasn't there, to remind her about her mouth, and I didn't propose to mention it. At breakfast, Mother said Father was going to drive Frank home in the carriage, and if I would like, I might go along. I would have to sit on the back seat alone, going, but coming home, I could ride beside and visit with Father. I loved that, for you could see more from the front seat, and Father would stop to explain every single thing— He always gave me the money, and let me pay the toll. He would get me a drink at the spring, let me wait a few minutes at Enyard's Riffles, where their creek, with the loveliest gravel-bed, ran beside the road. And he always raced like wildfire at the narrows, where for a mile the railroad ran along the turnpike. We took Frank to his office, stopped a little while to visit Lucy, and give her the butter and cream mother sent. Went to the store to see Peter, and then to the post-office. From there we could see that the veranda of the hotel across the street was filled with gaily dressed people, and Father said that the summer boarders from big cities around must be pouring in fast. When he came out with the mail, he said he would better ask if the landlord did not want some of Mother's corn and milk-fed spring chickens, because last year he had paid her more than the grocer. So he drove across the street, stopped at the curb, and left me to hold the team." Maybe you think I wasn't proud. I've told you about Ned and Joe, with their sharp ears, dappled sides, and silky tails, and the carriage almost new, with leather seats, patent leather trimmings, and side lamps, so shiny you could see yourself in the brass. We never drove into the barn with one speck of mud or dust on it. That was how particular Mother was. I watched the team carefully. I had to if I didn't want my neck broken. But I also kept an eye on that veranda— "'You could see at a glance that those were stylish women. "'Now my mother liked to be in fashion as well as any one could, "'so I knew she'd be mightily pleased "'if I could tell her a new place to set her comb, "'a different way to fasten her collar, "'or about an unusual pattern for a frock. "'I got my drink at the spring. "'Father offered to stop at the riffle, "'but I was enjoying the ride so much, "'and I could always wait at home, "'although our creek was not so beautiful as Enyard's. "'But for common waiting it would do.' We went through the narrows, like two shakes of a sheep's tail. Then we settled down to a slow trot, and were having the loveliest visit possible, when in the bundle on my lap I saw the end of something that interested me. Mr. Agnew always made our mail into a roll, with the advocate and the agriculturist on the outside, and because everyone was so anxious about their letters, and some of them meant so much, I felt grown and important while holding the package." I was gripping it tight when I noticed the end of one letter much wider and fatter than any I ever had seen. So when Father was not looking, I began pushing it a little at one end, and pulling it at the other to work it up, until I could read the address. I got it out so far I thought every minute he'd notice, and tell me not to do that. But I could only see Stanton. All of us were Stanton, so it might be for me, for that matter. Jerry might be sending me pictures or a book. He did sometimes. But there was an exciting thing about it. Besides being fatter than it looked right at the end, it was plastered with stamps—lots of them, enough to have brought it clear around the world. I pushed that end back, pulled out the other, and took one good look. I almost fell from the carriage. I grabbed Father's arm and cried, Stop! Stop this team quick! Stop them and see if I can read. "'Are you crazy, child?' asked Father. But he checked the horses. "'No, but you are going to be in a minute.' I said, Look at that! I yanked the letter from the bundle and held it over. I thought I could read, but I was too scared to be sure. I thought it said in big, strong, upstanding letters, Miss Shelley Stanton, Groveville, Indiana, and in the upper corner, Blackburn, Yeats, and Paget, Counselors of Law, 37-39 to 39 State Street, Chicago. I put my finger on the Paget and looked into Father's face. I was no fool after all. He was not a bit surer that he could read than I was from the dazed way he stared. You see, I said. It says Paget, he said, like he would come nearer believing it if he heard himself pronounce the word. I thought it said Paget, I gasped, but I wanted to know if you thought so too. Yes, it's Paget plain enough, said father, but he acted like there was every possibility that it might change to Jones any minute. It says Paget, plain as print. "'Father!' I cried, clutching his arm. "'Father, see how fat it is! There must be pages and pages. "'Father, it wouldn't take all that to tell her he doesn't like her, "'and he never wanted to see her again. Would it, Father?' "'It doesn't seem probable,' said Father. "'Father, don't you think it means there's been some big mistake, "'and it takes so much to tell how it can be fixed?' "'It seems reasonable.' "'I gripped him tighter, and maybe shook him a little.' "'Father,' I cried, "'Father, doesn't it just look hurry all over? "'Can't you speed up a little? "'They have all day to cool off. "'Oh, Father, won't you speed a little?' "'That I will,' said Father. "'Get a tight hold, and pray God it is good word we carry.' "'But I prayed the one big prayer to get this,' I said. "'It wouldn't be sent if it wasn't good. "'The thing to do now is to thank the Lord "'for all his loving-kindnesses,' like Mother said. "'Drive, Father, make them go.' AT FIRST HE ONLY TOUCHED THEM UP. I COULDN'T SEE THAT WE WERE GETTING HOME SO FAST. BUT IN A MINUTE A CORNFIELD PASSED LIKE A STREAK. A PIECE OF WOODS FLEW BY A DARK BLUR. A BRIDGE NEVER HAD TIME TO RATTLE, AND WE BEGAN TO ROCK FROM SIDE TO SIDE A LITTLE. THEN I GRIPPED THE TOP SUPPORTS WITH ONE HAND, THE mail WITH THE OTHER, AND HUNG ON FOR DEAR LIFE. I TOOK ONE GOOD LOOK AT FATHER. HIS FEET WERE ON THE BRACE. HIS FACE WAS CLEAR, EVEN WHITE. HIS EYES STEELY, AND HE NEVER MOVED A MUSCLE. When Joe thought it was funny that he was loose in the pasture, and kicked up a little behind, Father gave him a sharp cut with the whip, and said, "'Steady, boy, get along there.' Sometimes he said, "Ay, ay, easy,' but he never stopped a mite. We whizzed past the church and cemetery, and scarcely touched the big hill. People ran to their doors, even to the yards, and I was sure they thought we were having a runaway, but we were not. Father began to stop at the lane gate, he pulled all the way past the garden, and it was as much as he could do to get them slowed down so that I could jump out by the time we reached the hitching rack. He tied them and followed me into the house instead of going to the barn. I ran ahead, calling, "'Shelly! Where is Shelly?' "'What in this world has happened, child?' asked Mother, catching my arm. "'Her letter has come, her Paget letter, the one you looked for until you gave up. It's come at last. Oh, where is she?' "'Be calmer, child, you'll frighten her,' said Mother. May snatched the letter from my fingers, and began to read all that was on it. I burst out crying. "'Make her give that back,' I sobbed to Father. "'It's mine, I found it. Father, make her let me take it.' "'Give it to her,' said Father. "'I rather feel that it is her right to deliver it.' May passed it back, but she looked so disappointed that by how she felt I knew how much I wanted to take it myself.' So I reached my hand to her and said, You can come along. We'll both take it. Oh, where is she? She went down in the orchard, said mother. I think probably she's gone back where she was the other day. Gee, but we ran. And there she was. As we came up, she heard us and turned. Shelley, I cried, here's your letter. Everything will be all right. He's coming, Shelley. Look quick and see when. Mother will want to begin baking right away. Shelley looked at me and said coolly, "'Patty Ryan, what's the matter?' "'Your letter!' I cried, shoving it right against her hands. "'Your letter from Robert, from the pageant man you know. "'I told you he was coming. Hurry and see when.' She took it, and sat there staring at it, so much like Father, that it made me think of him. So I saw that she was going to have to come around to it as we did, and that one couldn't hurry her. She just had to take her time to sense it. "'Shall I open it for you?' I asked, "'merely to make her see that it was time she was doing it herself. "'Blessed if she didn't reach it toward me, sort of wooden-like. "'I stuck my finger under the flap, gave it a rip across, "'and emptied what was inside into her lap. "'Bet there were six or seven letters, "'in queer yellow envelopes I never before had seen any like, "'and on them was the name, Robert Paget. "'while in one corner it said, Returned Dead Letter.' Also there was a loose folded white sheet. She sat staring at the heap, touching one, another, and repeating, Robert Paget" as she picked each up in turn. "'What do you suppose it means?' she asked May. May examined them. "'You must read the loose sheet,' she advised. "'No doubt that will explain.' But Shelley never touched it. She handled those letters and stared at them. Father and mother came through the orchard and stood together behind us. So father knelt down at last— "'reached across Shelley's shoulder, picked one up, and looked at it. "'Have you good word, dear?' asked mother of Shelley. "'Why, I don't understand at all,' said Shelley. "'Just look at all these queer letters, addressed to Mr. Paget. "'Why should they be sent to me? I mustn't open them. They're not mine. "'There must be some mistake.' "'These are dead letters,' said Father. "'They've been written to you, couldn't be delivered, "'and so were sent to the dead-letter office at Washington.' which returned them to the writer, and unopened he has forwarded them once more to you. You've heard of dead letters, haven't you? I suppose so, said Shelley. I don't remember just now, but there couldn't be a better name. They've come mighty near killing me. If you'd only read that note, urged May, putting it right into her fingers. Shelley still sat there. I'm afraid of it she said, exactly like I'd have spoken if there had been a big rattlesnake coming right at me, when I'd nothing at hand to bruise it. Laddie and Leon came from the barn. They had heard me calling, seen May and me run, and then father and mother coming down, so they walked over. "'What's up?' asked Leon. "'Has Uncle Levi's will been discovered, and does Mother get his Mexican mines?' "'What have you got, Shelley?' asked Laddie, kneeling beside her and picking up one of the yellow letters." I hardly know, said Shelley. I brought her a big letter with all those little ones and a note in it, and they are from the Paget man. I explained to him, but she won't even read the note and see what he writes. She says she's afraid, poor child, no wonder, said Laddie, sitting beside her and putting his arm around her. Suppose I read it for you, may I? Yes, said Shelley. You read it, read it out loud. I don't care. She leaned against him while he unfolded the white sheet. Umph, he said, this does look bad for you. It begins, my own darling girl. Let me see, cried Shelley, suddenly straightening and reaching her hand. Laddie held the page toward her, but she only looked. She didn't offer to touch it. My own darling girl, repeated Laddie tenderly, making it mean just all he possibly could, because he felt so dreadfully sorry for her. "'On my return to Chicago, from the trip to England "'I have so often told you I intended to make some time soon.' "'Did he?' asked Mother. "'Yes,' answered Shelley. "'He couldn't talk about much else. "'It was his first case. "'It was for a friend of his who had been robbed of everything in the world— honor relatives, home, and money. "'If Robert won it, he got all that back for his friend, "'and enough for himself, that he could. "'A home of his own, you know. "'Read on, laddie.' I was horrified to find on my desk every letter I had written you during my absence returned to me from the dead-letter office, as you see. Good gracious! cried Mother, picking up one, and clutching it tight, as if she meant to see that it didn't get away again. Go on! cried Shelley. I am enclosing some of them as they came back to me, in proof of my statement. I drove at once to your boarding-place, and found you had not been there for weeks, and your landlady was distinctly crabbed. Then I went to the college, only to find that you had fallen ill, and gone to your home. That threw me into torments, and all that keeps me from taking the first train is the thought that perhaps you refused to accept these letters for some reason. Shelley, you did not, did you? There is some mistake somewhere, is there not?" One would be led to think so, said Father sternly. Seems as if he might have managed some way. "'Don't you blame him!' cried Shelley. Can't you see it's all my fault?" "'He'd been coming regularly, and the other girls envied me. "'Then he just disappeared, and there was no word or anything, "'and they laughed and whispered until I couldn't endure it. "'So I moved in with Peter's cousin, as I wrote you. "'But that left Mrs. Fleet with an empty room in the middle of the term, "'and it made her hopping mad. "'I bet anything she wouldn't give the postman my new address to pay me back. "'I left it, of course. "'But if I'd been half a woman, "'and had the confidence I should have had in myself and in him— oh how i've suffered and punished all of you never you mind about that said mother stroking shelley's hair likely there isn't much in chicago to give a girl who never had been away from her family before confidence in herself or any one else as for him just disappearing like that without a word or even a line go on laddie surely you knew that i was only waiting the outcome of this trip to tell you how dearly i love you "'Surely you encouraged me in thinking you cared for me a little, Shelley. "'Only a little will do to begin with.' "'You see, I did have something to go on,' cried Shelley, "'wiping her eyes and straightening up. "'No doubt you misunderstood, and resented my going, "'without coming to explain, and bid you good-bye in person. "'But, Shelley, I simply dared not. "'You see, it was this way. "'I got a cable about the case I was always talking of, "'and the only man who could give the testimony I must have was dying.' "'For land's sake, the poor boy!' cried Mother, patting Shelley's shoulder. "'An hour's delay might mean the loss of everything in the world to me, even you. For if I lost any time, and the man escaped me, there was no hope of winning my case. And everything, even you, as I said before, depended on him.' "'Good Lord! I mean land!' cried Leon. "'If I could catch the train in an hour, I could take a boat at New York and go straight through with no loss of time.' So I wrote you a note that probably said more than I would have ventured in person, and paid a boy to deliver it. "'Kept the money and tore up the note, I bet,' said May. "'I wrote on the train, but found after sailing that I had rushed so I had failed to post it in New York. "'I kept on writing every day on the boat, and mailed you six at Liverpool. "'All the time I have written frequently. "'There are many more here that this envelope will not hold, "'that I shall save until I hear from you.' "'Well, well,' said Father.' Shelley, I beat death, reached my man, got the testimony I had to have, and won my case. Glory! cried Mother. Praise the Lord! Then I scoured England, and part of the continent, hunting some interested parties. And when I was so long finding them, and still no word came from you, I decided to come back and get you, if you would come with me, and go on with the work together. Listen to that! More weddings! cried Leon. He dropped on his knees before Shelley. "'Will you marry me, my pretty maid?' he begged. "'Young man, if you caught any capers right now, I'll cuff your ears,' cried father. "'This is no proper time for your foolishness. Shelley, I beg that you will believe me, and if you care for me in the very least, telegraph if I may come. Quick, I'm half insane to see you. I have many things to tell you. First of all, how dear you are to me. Please telegraph. Robert.' "'Saddle a horse, Leon,' father cried, as he unstrapped his wallet. Laddie, take down her message. "'Can you put it into ten words?' asked Laddie. "'Mother, what would you say?' questioned Shelley. "'Leon held up his fingers, and curled down one with each word. "'Say, Dear Robert, well and happy. Come when you get ready.' "'But then I won't know when he's coming,' objected Shelley. "'You don't need to,' said Leon. "'You can take it for granted from that epistolary effusion "'that he won't let the grass grow under his feet while coming here. "'That's a bully message. "'It sounds as if you weren't crazy over him, "'and it's a big compliment to Mother. "'Looks as if she didn't have to know when people are coming, "'like she's ready all the time.' "'Write it out and let me see,' said Shelley. "'So Laddie wrote it, and she looked at it a long time, it seemed to me. "'At last,' she said, "'I don't like that get. It doesn't sound right.' "'Would R be better?' "'Come when you are ready,' repeated Laddie. "'Yes, that's better. Get sounds rather saucy.' "'Why not put it, come when you choose,' suggested Mother. "'That will leave a word to spare, so it won't look as if you had counted them "'and used exactly ten on purpose. "'And it doesn't sound as if you expected him to make long preparations, like the other. "'That will leave it with him to start whenever he likes.' "'Yes, yes,' cried Shelley, "'that's much better.' Say, come when you choose. Right, said Laddie, as he wrote it. Now I'll take this. Oh, no, you won't, cried Leon. Father told me to saddle my horse. She's got enough speed in her to beat yours a mile. I take that. Didn't you say for me to saddle, Father? Such important business, I think I better, said Laddie. And Leon began to cry. I think you should both go, said Shelley. It is so important, and if one goes to make a mistake, maybe the other will notice it. "'Yes, that's the best way,' said Mother. "'Yes, both go,' said Father. "'It was like one streak when they went up the big hill.' Father shook his head. "'Poor judgment that,' he said. "'Never run a horse up hill.' "'But they're in such a hurry,' Shelley reminded him. "'So they are,' said Father. "'In this case I might have broken the rule myself. "'Now come, all of you, and let the child get at her mail.' "'But I want you to stay,' said Shelley. "'I'm so addle-pated this morning.' I NEED MY FAMILY TO HELP ME. OF COURSE YOU DO, CHILD, SAID MOTHER. FAMILIES WERE MADE TO CLING TOGETHER, AND STAND BY EACH OTHER IN EVERY CIRCUMSTANCE OF LIFE, JOY OR SORROW. OF COURSE YOU NEED YOUR FAMILY. MAY BEGAN SORTING THE LETTERS BY DATES, SO Shelley COULD START ON THE ONE THAT HAD BEEN WRITTEN FIRST. FATHER RAN HIS KNIFE ACROSS THE TOP OF EACH, AND CUT ALL THE ENVELOPES, AND Shelley TOOK OUT THE FIRST AND READ IT. THAT WAS THE TRAIN ONE. In it he told her about sending the boy with the note again, and explained more about how it was so very important for him to hurry, because the only man who could help him was so sick. We talked it over, and all of us thought the boy had kept the money and torn up the note. Father said the way would have been to send the note and pay the boy when he came back. But Shelley said Mr. Paget would have been gone before the boy got back, so Father saw that wouldn't have been the way in such a case. Next she read one written on the boat— He told more about sending the boy, how he loved her, what it would mean to both of them if he got the evidence he wanted and won his first case, and how much it would bring his friend. The next one told it all over again, and more. In that he wrote a little about the ocean, the people on board the ship, and he gave Shelley the name of the place where he was going, and begged her to write to him. He told her if the ship he was on passed another, they were going to stop and send back the mail. He begged her to write often— and to say she forgave him for starting away without seeing her as he had been forced to the next one was the same thing over only a little more yet in the last he had reached england the important man was still living but he was almost gone and mr paget took two good witnesses all the evidence he had and went to see him and the man saw it was no use so he made a statement and robert had it all written out signed and witnessed For the real straight sense there was in that letter, I could have done as well myself. It was a wild jumble, because Robert was so crazy over having the evidence that would win his case, and he told Shelley that now he was perfectly free to love her all she would allow him. He said he had to stay a while longer to find his friend's people, so they would get back their share of the money. But it was not going to be easy to locate them. You wouldn't think the world so big, but maybe it seems smaller to me, because as far as I could see from the top of our house was all I knew about it. After Shelley had read the letters, and the note again, Father heaved a big sigh that seemed to come clear from his boot soles, and he said, Well, Shelley, it looks to me as if you had found a man. Seems to me that's a mighty important case for a young lawyer to be trusted with in a first effort. Yes, but it was for Robert's best friend, and only think he has won "'I don't see how he could have done better "'if he'd been old as Methuselah "'and wise as Solomon,' boasted Mother. "'But he hasn't found the people "'who must have back their money,' said May. "'He will have to go to England again, "'and he wants to take you, Shelley. "'My, you'll get to sail on a big steamer, "'cross the Atlantic Ocean, and see London. "'Maybe you'll even get a peep at the Queen.' Shelley was busy making a little heap of her letters. "'When the top one slid off, "'I reached over and put it back for her, she looked straight at me and smiled the most wonderful and the most beautiful smile i ever saw on any one's face so i said to her you see i told you he was coming i can't understand it said shelley you know i told you of course i do but what made you think so that was the answer just that he was coming what are you two talking about asked mother Shelley looked at me, and waited for me to tell Mother, as much as I wanted to, of what had happened. But I didn't think things like that were to be talked about before everyone, so I just said, "'Oh, nothing. Only I told Shelley this very morning that the pageant man was coming soon, and that everything was going to be all right.' "'You did? Well, of all the world, I can't see why.' "'Oh, something told me. I just felt that way.' "'More of that fairy nonsense?' "'asked Father sharply. "'No, I didn't get that from the fairies.' "'Well, never mind,' said Shelley, rising, "'because she saw that I had told all I wanted to. "'Little Sister did tell me this morning "'that he was coming, "'that everything would be made right, "'and it's the queerest thing, "'but instantly I believed her. "'Didn't I sing all morning, Mother? "'The first note since Robert didn't come "'when I expected him in Chicago weeks ago.' "'Yes,' said Mother. "'That's a wonderfully strange thing.' I can't see what made you think so. Anyway, I did, I said. Now let's go have dinner. I'm starving. End of chapter seventeen, part one.